If you would, please turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We're on page 983 in the Bibles and the chairs in front of you if you need one. And our passage of study this morning is Colossians 1, verses 24 through 29. If you're new with us today, we're in a sermon series this fall through uh, the epistle to the Colossians, written by the Apostle Paul to this little house church in the city of Colossae. Colossians 1, verses 24 through 29, this is God's holy word to us this morning. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, Warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that is powerfully working within me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word, the word of truth, your revealed will to us. Lord, as we study these words written thousands of years ago to a, a local church, would you, would you teach us, would you instruct us, just as the Colossians were taught and instructed in the ways of Christ. For it is in his name that we pray, amen. This past week, I saw one of the most powerful testimonies to the gospel that I have ever seen. I wrote about it this past week in the church newsletter that went out on Friday. It was a story that made the news about a former police officer in, the Texas, in Texas. Her name was Amber Geiger. She shot and killed a man that she thought was a burglar in her apartment. It turns out she was on the wrong floor of her apartment building. Geiger was sentenced to 10 years in prison for murder. And at her sentencing, the brother of the man who was killed, named Brant Jean, he asked to speak, and he said these words. He said, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, and I, and I, and I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's exactly what my brother would want you to do. And the best would be to give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that my brother would want you to do. And again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. And then... Brant Jean went on to ask something unthinkable. He looked at the judge and said, I don't know if this is possible, 
but can I give her a hug, please? What would move someone to respond like that? What would, what would motivate someone to want to be able to offer that level of forgiveness? I mean, how would, how would you respond if someone took the life of someone that you loved? Obviously, what motivated this man to offer forgiveness and compassion in the way that he did was the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. For that is what he testified that day in that courtroom. Only the gospel, only the gospel has the power to show that kind of love. Only the gospel can give power to us to grant that level of forgiveness. And it was the gospel that motivated the Apostle Paul to make the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ known throughout the ancient world. It it wasn't a fairy tale that motivated the Apostle Paul to become a great apostle, a preacher, a missionary. It was the truth of God that motivated him. That's why he says in his letter to Timothy, he says, this saying is trustworthy and and deserving of full acceptance That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost, Paul says. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example of those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Hopefully you remember who the Apostle Paul was before Christ saved him. His name was Saul. And when a Christian heard about Saul coming to town, that was not a good thing. He was known as Saul, the one who hated Christians, the one who persecuted Christians. He was a a blasphemer. He was the one to whom Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And one of the most radical conversions in the history of the world was Paul's conversion on the Damascus Road that day when Jesus overwhelmed him and and blinded him with the glory of God and saved him by his grace and love and mercy. Jesus took one of the, 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 the most feared and hated person in the church, the greatest persecutor possibly of the church, a man who violently hated Christians, and converted him, transformed him into one of the greatest gospel forces the world has ever known. Think about that. Only the power of the gospel could do a great work like that. Only the gospel. Only the love of a Savior dying on a cross could motivate a man to become a great servant of God like the Apostle Paul. And that's what this passage is about this morning. We get to the meat of Paul's letter here to the Colossians. And we see him giving testimony to the amazing work of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was this gospel 
in which Paul became a powerful servant of God. And it's this gospel that will teach you and me this morning on how to be a useful servant for God. So that's what I want us to look at this morning. What does this passage teach us about being a faithful servant of God? That's the, that's the emphasis here. What is this passage teaching you and me on how to be a servant of God? There are four things that we'll look at this morning in this passage. The first is a servant of God rejoices in suffering for Christ. The second, a servant of God proclaims the hope of glory in Christ. Thirdly, a servant of God desires to see people mature in Christ. And last, a servant of God endeavors to live by the power of the Holy Spirit to make Christ known. I'll repeat those here in a minute. The first is, a servant of God rejoices in suffering for Christ. That's the first thing he says in verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Looking at the example of Paul, we can't help but wonder at the grace and the power that God gave this man to be willing to do what he did, to be willing to suffer as he was suffering. Remember, as Paul was writing this letter to the Colossians, he was in prison. And he was literally suffering for the gospel. He was literally in chains. And in this situation, which is, Paul was not in the comfortable Christian life, was he? He was in prison. He was not only willing to suffer for the gospel, he said that he actually rejoiced in his sufferings. He rejoiced in his sufferings. What kind of craziness would inspire a man to say something like that? I would never write a letter to you probably saying something like that. What would inspire him to say this? Well, I think we know by now, right? It's the gospel. It's the gospel. It was the message of God reconciling the world to himself through Jesus Christ that motivated Paul to not only preach the good news, but later we we find out he would be willing and would die for the good news. One scholar remarked that Paul has an overwhelming conviction that his message was not merely true, but it was the truth. And he was willing to suffer for it. If you look there in verse 24 and and read that very carefully, it is, a notoriously difficult past verse to interpret in the New Testament. At first reading, some would look at that and think that somehow Paul is saying that his sufferings were some gonna, in some way fill up what is lacking in Christ's sufferings. But we know this not to be true from Paul's theology and from Jesus' words himself. Jesus' sufferings, his death on the cross was The finished work, it was final. Jesus said so himself, it was finished. But what Paul has in mind here is not somehow that his bodily sufferings or that that Jesus needs to somehow bodily suffer again for the work of the gospel to go forward. No, he was talking about the body of Christ, the church, the sufferings, the afflictions that the church would go 
through. And this is actually the New Testament's guarantee. Did you know that the Bible guarantees you will suffer? I'm sorry if you've never been told that before. That is actually a promise that you will suffer. This is what the New Testament teaches, that a follower of Christ will suffer. The body of Christ will experience sufferings in this life for following Jesus. But through this suffering, Paul rejoiced because the church would grow. The message of the gospel would spread, and it would be through this kind of suffering that Paul would say in Romans, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed in us. Paul's willingness to suffer for Christ. It's not something that's just reserved for like super Christians. It's not something that just missionaries go through. It's not something that people over there necessarily go through. It is a call for all who bear his name. You know, I think we're all willing to suffer through a lot of things, if you think about it. I'm willing to suffer through a romantic comedy movie for my wife. (laughs) Looks like I get to watch one tonight. I'm willing to suffer through the October heat, (laughs) you know, to be outside with my family. But what are we willing to suffer for? What are we willing to suffer for? Something that we love so much that might bring us pain or discomfort or unpopularity? What are we willing to suffer for? Let Paul example be an example to all of us that we would count it great joy to suffer for the gospel because if it meant others would come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ this is what a suffer a servant of God is willing to do rejoice in sufferings secondly a servant of God proclaims the hope of glory that is in Christ The hope of glory that is in Christ, found in verses 25 through 27. Not only was Paul willing to suffer, but he desired to serve. Not everyone is called to be an ordained minister or a missionary or someone who literally as their vocation has the job of preaching or teaching the Word of God in an official capacity, but we are all called to serve in the church, the body of Christ. That is what Paul saw himself as. He saw himself as a servant to the church. Specifically, his calling was to preach and to teach the gospel, to make the word of God fully known, he says. And he calls this message that he was called to proclaim the mystery. The mystery. Immediately when we see that word mystery, our English minds think of like a hidden meaning. Or something that is secret, or some secret knowledge that we need to go discover or uncover. But that's not what this word means in the biblical sense. In the biblical sense, the word mystery, every time you see it in the New Testament, it means this. It means what was previously hidden, but God has now chose to make known to his people. The mystery is now revealed. The mystery is this. God has revealed to his saints 
that his plan was to make Christ known to the nations, not just the Jews. The mystery revealed is that Christ is for everyone who would trust in him by faith. Christ in you, he says. That's the secret. That's the the mystery now revealed. God's mystery now revealed was to impact the whole world through the hope of the gospel. And he says, it's the riches of the glory, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It means that those who know Christ now are assured of glory. That means the wonder and the beauty and the magnificence of God himself is now known in Christ Jesus. It was this story of glory, hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, that Paul and Jesus' disciples proclaim. But what does that mean for you? What does it mean for you to be a servant who proclaims the hope of the glory of Christ? It means that the greatest hope, the greatest truth, the greatest joy that the world has ever known has been revealed to us in Christ Jesus. And if you and I want to be a useful servant to God, we must proclaim this good news. It must not be something that we just think about on Sunday. It must be something that infiltrates everything we do, our, our careers, our, our parenting, our, our friendships, our, our hobbies. You don't have to be a preacher to do that. I promise you. Most of the time, you simply just need to be a friend. You just need to love your neighbor. It means the next time that you see someone suffering, the next time you see someone who's depressed, the next time you come into contact with someone who's been devastated by some bad news, share the good news with them. The good news of Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. And may God help us to proclaim that hope of glory When God gives us those chances, he will. He will give you a chance to share that good news with someone. Thirdly, a servant of God desires to see God's people mature in Christ. In another letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, he shares one of the most impactful truths about the Bible that that we need to know. And that is that all scripture is God-breathed. All of it is God's word. And it is useful so that the follower of Christ would become mature and equipped. And here Paul says that the goal is to see the church become mature in Christ. This is something that has gotten lost, I think, this day and age. That our calling as a church is to mature in Christ. You see, Paul's method of evangelism is he didn't just come to town, uh, set up a big tent... (laughs) have an emotional appeal to everyone, get them to sign a card, and then leave town. No, his desire was to see people grow and mature and become mature followers of Jesus Christ. He wanted to see God's people discipled. That means seeing them become mature in their relationship with Jesus Christ, growing in it. This is why he says, that he and the other disciples will keep preaching him we proclaim, he says, so that he can warn them against false teaching, so that others may grow in wisdom 
and that all would be built up in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the, this is the goal of Christian ministry. This is the, the goal of parenting. This is the goal of our Christian lives, that we would become mature in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And by the way, this takes a lifetime. If you don't believe me, Ask some of our brothers and sisters in Christ here today who have lived much longer than us. And so I simply ask you, are you maturing in Christ? Uh, we're really good at, 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 you know, really getting good at our hobbies. You know, maybe you've beat this video game 15 times, you know. Maybe your fantasy football team is just off the charts. <laughs> maybe your woodworking skills are excellent. You're knitting, you're cooking Are you spending that much energy and effort maturing in Christ? This is something, again, that is often lost in the Christian life. We forget that we're not only called to trust in Christ and to know Jesus, but to continue to know him, to to grow, to mature. The Christian life does not stop when Christ becomes your Savior. It continues until he becomes the Lord of your life every day for the rest of your life here on this earth. So that means that the rest of our days, we are to be growing in Christ, maturing in him. So how are you doing that? What what are you doing to help you mature in Christ? Parents, how are you helping your children mature in Christ? What things are you inputting into your life to help you do that? If you need help with that, come talk to me. We'll talk about some ways. Finally, a servant of God endeavors to live by the power of the Holy Spirit to make Christ known. Look what he says there in verse 29. For the gospel and for the growth of the church, Paul was willing to toil, he says, struggling expending himself, whatever it took, whatever it took, Paul would do it to see the church grow. Paul knew that he couldn't do this on his own power and his own strength. He needed the the dynamite of God, the Holy Spirit living and moving in him, powerfully working in him, he says, to accomplish his desire. And so Paul's whole life, His whole life was an example to us of how God can take a good-for-nothing sinner and turn him into a powerful force for the gospel. The amazing grace of Jesus Christ and the power of God radically transforming his life and his power. And it was the supernatural power of God working in his life that gave him strength to do the gospel ministry he was called to do. He says, for this I toil. For this I toil, struggling with all Christ's energy that he powerfully works within me. And so his toil, his struggle is a reference not just to his hard work, but literally the pain and suffering that he would go through. But for Paul, it was worth it. It was worth it. Because he heard how people were were growing and, and coming to Christ all over the world, and he rejoiced. At this. And this is why you and I need to pray for the power of the Holy Spirit 
to work in us, to give us the, the energy, the, 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 the effort, the, the struggle to make the gospel known. Yes, we are called to toil and struggle in this life, but we do so with the reminder that we have the power of God working in us to make Christ known. And so wrapping this up in Paul's servanthood here, in our servanthood, what is it that drives you? What is it that's motivating you, that's helping you get up in the morning, that makes you want to go to work, that makes you want to parent your children, that makes you want to come to church? What is it that gets you out of bed every day? I hope, I hope and pray that by following Paul's example here, you will look to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it is the gospel that enables us, for it is the gospel that gives us the power to be a useful servant to God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. May God give us the strength to know Christ and to make him known. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we, we want to be useful. We want to be useful to you. And, Lord, we know that if you could do that in Paul's life, if you could do that in the Christians there in Colossae's life, Lord, we know that you can do that in our life. Father, help us to be a useful servant for you, for your gospel. Lord, it is, it is worth it. It is worth it, Lord. Every, every time that we get discouraged, Lord, every time we lose hope, Father, remind us by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, Christ is the hope of glory. That the, the, the good news that Jesus has reconciled us to you, that is the best news in the whole world. It is worthy of our praise, Lord. It is worthy of us being called to make Christ known. Lord, help us mature in him every day. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.